Rebels, you're listening to a free audio-only recording of my weekly Wednesday night show, The Gun Show. Tonight, my guest is Kelly Lamb. However, you might know her by her maiden name, Kelly Day. She's a Saskatchewan-based YouTuber and recovering politician. And we are talking about the Saskatchewan election, the American election, and the COVID lockdown. Now, if you like listening to the show, then I promise you're going to love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-form TV-style shows here on Rebel News. Subscribers get access to my show, as well as Ezra's Nightly, Ezra Levant Show, and David Menzies' fun Friday night show, Rebel Roundup. It's only 8 bucks a month to subscribe. And just for my podcast listeners, you can save an extra 10% on a new Rebel News Plus subscription by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to rebelnews.com slash subscribe to become a member. And now please enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. The province of Saskatchewan has plunged three cities into stricter COVID restrictions. Just like BC, the hands-off approach to disease management ended right after their election was over. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed, and you're watching The Gun Show. is going on in Saskatchewan, the mainstream media is using the word explosion to describe new COVID case counts. The nurses union and not the nurses, I want to be very clear and make that distinction, is saying the healthcare system is on its knees. There are 260 doctors who want an immediate COVID lockdown. But is this all really necessary? Just look at this from the Saskatchewan government website. A total of 44 individuals are hospitalized, including 33 inpatient hospitalizations and 11 ICU hospitalizations. 29 Saskatchewan residents with COVID-19 have died. Saskatchewan now has a fatality rate of 0.7%. The nurses' union wants me to believe that this is bringing the whole healthcare system to its knees? No way. This is a shakedown for more money by people who won't lose their jobs in a COVID lockdown. Now, Kelly Lamb, you may know her as Kelly Day, is a Saskatchewan-based YouTuber, former PPC candidate, and you also may recognize her from her cover of the Tommy Robinson song, How They Rule Ya. She joins me tonight to talk about the Saskatchewan election, the potential harm a Biden presidency may do to Saskatchewan, these increased lockdown measures happening in Saskatchewan in larger cities, and how this is all making us hate our fellow man. Our interview does run a little longer than usual, so I'll just zip it. And here is the interview that I recorded with my friend Kelly Lamb yesterday morning. Now from her home outside of Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, is Kelly Lamb, although you might know her as Kelly Day. And today we're going to be talking about the Saskatchewan election, 
uh, Saskatchewan COVID lockdowns? Are they going to have a second lockdown? And what do the current restrictions look like? And how ridiculous are they really? Um, because I think she's experienced it and I've seen or at least spoken to people who've experienced it firsthand. And uh, the American election, the impact that's going to have on Saskatchewan. And I guess what songs we're going to sing on our prison album when we get sent to a gulag because we kind of didn't hate Donald Trump as much as the Democrats in the United States would like us to. Hey, Kelly, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Always a joy to be here, Sheila. Yeah, it's been too long. Um, I think since the last time I talked to you, you got married. So congratulations on that. And you you. relocated a a little bit bit. um, to an undisclosed location. Um, I guess the first thing I want to talk to you about is the Saskatchewan election. Um, Overwhelming majority for Scott Moe's Saskatchewan party. I don't think that was a surprise to anybody. He's very popular. He was, you know, the sort of the conservative torchbearer mm-hmm. while Alberta waited to get rid of NDP here. Yeah. Um, but I think the most surprising thing for me was how well the Buffalo separatist party did in at least four ridings. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they probably would have done a lot better because I think there is a strong separatist sentiment in Saskatchewan, mm-hmm. much like the, there is here in Alberta. But I think a lot of people were concerned about splitting the vote and the NDP yes. running up the middle. What do you think? Absolutely. There is a healthy fear of the NDP getting any power in, in parts of the province. There are pockets where they've always maintained some seats. So, you know, there's there's pockets of support, particularly in more urban areas. But rurally, there's always just been we just we want to make sure we stay conservative. You know, there is... Um, People like Mo, absolutely, but they also, even if it wasn't him, the party likely still would have won with with a large majority as it did. It's the the standard kind of safe conservative party here. We do have other options. There was the Buffalo Party this year. There's the uh, there's the other conservative party that's a bit smaller. They did okay in certain ridings as well, con- considering how independent and small they are. But yeah, the, the SAS party is our kind of go to conservative party, and so we we certainly expected them to do well no matter what. Uh, but when it comes to the Buffalo Party, what I found interesting was they did do a lot better than I think most of us expected. Yeah. I think they probably did better than they even expected. Not because the sentiment uh, for separatism isn't high. It is high. But like you said, there's a fear of splitting the vote. There's there's this, we have to make a safe choice. Much, much like in Canada, you know, they just wanted to get Trudeau yeah. out. And so you don't want to split the vote. You just want to vote the, the CPC, get her done, get Trudeau out was the, the idea. Same with, with, yeah. with Saskatchewan. So... I understand um, why people were hesitant to go with a smaller, more independent party. I wasn't afraid to throw my vote behind uh, the Buffalo Party myself. They didn't do very well in my riding, but they they did really well in my hometown riding of Estevan and Weyburn regions. So wherever yeah. oil and gas is a strong financial driver, they they did get some really decent support. So I was really surprised and happy to see my hometown just openly being courageous enough to say, you know what, enough's enough. We want to change we don't know what to do under this anymore. Why not? Why not try something new? So, yeah, I think that was really the um, the surprise in all of it. And and, and I'm not saying that I'm surprised because uh, a separatist party uh, is gaining momentum. I think, of course, the parade is marching. Somebody needs to jump in front of it. But the fact that they were, I mean, probably about 90 days old uh, as a party yeah. um, in the lead up to the election, no money. 
just fielding candidates in 17 ridings. Yeah. I think they finished second place in Cypress Hills, Kindersley, Estefan, and Cannington. And yeah. they did really well in a couple of those, like upwards of 20%, which yeah. is, um, I, I mean, if they had more political infrastructure, more fundraising, more candidates, I think we would have seen, um, I, I think it would not be um, outrageous to see a Buffalo party official opposition next time around. I would agree with that. And now that some people have come out and shown, you know what, I'm going to put my support behind this, that in itself will just, will grow the support. People know about them now. Like you said, they were brand new. A lot of people that are normies, so to speak, that just don't follow along or don't care about politics, which I find so hard to believe, especially at a more local level. You'd think you, I can understand saying, well, if it goes on in Ottawa, you feel distant from it. But for me, it's hard to understand that people don't pay attention to municipal and provincial politics, but there are so many that don't. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's interesting now to, it'll be interesting to see where people go with their votes in the future, just now that they're getting more well-known and uh, to see what's going on nationally, because the more that goes on nationally, um, there's legislation being pushed constantly. That's pushing people into, you know, what was once reluctant separatists like myself are just saying, okay, I, I got nothing left. So what else do we do? We understand the viability issues. There's a lot to discuss. I don't even know if it's viable in my lifetime, but we have to work towards something useful. And I just don't, a lot of people in Saskatchewan and Alberta, they just don't feel like they're even a part of all of this anymore. It's such a, a disconnect and it, it hurts to give up that sense of patriotism. But what's happening for, for me, and I'm sure lots of others, is my love for Saskatchewan and my loyalty is growing yeah. and my love for Canada is sadly diminishing. And it's not something I wanted to happen, but it is happening nonetheless. So yeah, it's it's like people who don't want to divorce, but they know it's sort of the best thing for everybody involved. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's strange because you know the the liberals seem to be doubling down on policies that drive mm-hmm. separatism, mm-hmm. Um, and those issues that are just so indicative of the cultural divide between Western Canada and Eastern Canada, or Central Canada, Laurentian Canada. Um, yeah. For example, they're they're still hammering um, on issues of gun control. They're mm-hmm. introducing more carbon taxes, two mm-hmm. new carbon taxes. There's the clean fuel standard and they're going to, um, they announced last week that they're going to try to meet their Paris targets and they are not ruling out more carbon taxes or raising the carbon tax beyond the $50 uh, per ton that they had announced. So, I mean, it's it's hard to keep people in the game of Canada when you are making them feel like they have nothing left to lose. And I think that's where a lot of people are. They are, they are, they're realizing more and more every day that they're disconnected. And if I were like an Alex Jonesy conspiracy theorist, you would think that Justin Trudeau is a plant for the separatist (laughs) movement in Western Canada, because if I wanted to push a bunch of people who are culturally alienated (laughs) out of the country, I wouldn't do anything different than what he's doing. He's doing a great job. Really yeah. well done. Spectacular work. <laughs> Alienating an entire form of your population. And it's really unfortunate. I get it. We have smaller numbers. Um, you know, people argue, well, that's just how democracy works. And we could get into how the states works and how there's protections for that that I wish we had here and all of that. But we won't today. Um, unfortunately, though, it's just it's it's a terrible feeling to know that not only do you not have the numbers to represent anything in the House of Commons, you also just will never get then that advantage of having any policy created for your your um, population in mind. So for Saskatchewan, we overwhelmingly vote conservative both provincially and nationally 
over and over again and and completely just get basically ignored. There's no policies that are aimed towards us. It's aimed towards, and it's not just East and West. And I try to be careful because I have so many yeah. great uh, friends out in the East that are so supportive of Alberta and Saskatchewan sure. and of our yeah. oil and gas industry. But but it's just, like you said, it's this elitism, often a very ur- urban-rural divide. I feel like yeah. that's huge. And that's that's the same in the States as well. Um, so it's just, it's tough when you know that you you could be doing so much better as a province or all you really want is just some more autonomy. I don't want to change what's happening in Toronto. I don't really care. You guys do you. I just wish we had more autonomy. And that's really what the separatist part is about. You know, okay, great. If we can stay, we'll stay. But we can't stay like this, not with this little power. Um, and And premiers need to really be standing up too. It's really disappointing when you see conservative type of premiers um, just folding. And I'm really hoping Mo stays strong. Um, we'll see what happens. I mean, at least we're fighting things like the carbon tax and, and um, you know, firearms issues and stuff like that. So we're on the ball anyway. Yeah, I, I'd like to see more movement from Jason Kenney to g- seize autonomy because yeah. we have a lot to learn from Quebec. Um, I've, I've developed a greater appreciation for Quebec these last few years, not their politicians, but their people (laughs) and how they have sort of injected sovereignty and separatism into all parts of their culture. Mm -hmm. It's completely normal to see separatist actors, musicians. It's part of the cultural soup of Quebec. And here we don't have that, even though we do feel those same things that we do feel I would suggest we are a distinct culture. I I, yeah. I I feel we are a distinct culture when you look at the people in Laurentia. I, mm-hmm. uh, good people, a lot of people who are supportive of us, but we are culturally distinct. We care about different things. We we were settled. We were settled for a different reason by a different kind of people, and that's okay. It's okay to acknowledge that. I don't know when that became verboten to acknowledge that about the West when it's a completely. Right settled issue when it comes to Quebec. Yes. Um, I completely forgot where I was going with that, but I'm uh, sure you, you mentioned, have something to add. You, you <laughs> mentioned you have a new kind of found respect for Quebec, so perhaps that's where you were heading with it. But but I can certainly yeah. agree with what you were saying in, in that there is a distinct culture. Um, and that's something even, like I said, urban, rural, you know, when you get into different sort yep. of neighborhoods with different political sort of leanings. Uh, in Saskatchewan, there is some NDP support, in particular, provincially more so. So yeah. I was actually living in a fairly NDP riding, uh, although it doesn't make a huge difference in your day-to-day life that you would maybe notice. Um, But it's just a different sort of mindset. So you're around people with certain mindsets. So when you move out to the country, and especially in like rural Alberta, rural Saskatchewan, although I've lived rural as well, it's similar either way. um, There's just an attitude. There's something about Saskatchewan people are just so hardy. And it is like you said, we were settled on a different purpose. There's every place in this country. It's, it's such a massive country. We have very vast uh, ge- geographical differences. So our weather, our climate, how we live day to day, what we need to survive, how we get our food, um, demographics wise, everything is different. There's different religions. There's different Aboriginal people with different languages. There's so many cultural elements that are different in each area that it's how could we agree on everything like you said it's not controversial to say we're all very different and we can't seem to see eye to eye maybe we shouldn't have standard massive government policy to blanket a massive amount of people that are very very different in every possible way just on how you make policy to affect everyone's day-to-day life Uh, and you touch on something that um, sort of piqued my interest when you said that 
a lot of this can be traced back to elitism. I do think that there is a class divide yes. uh, that, you know, the Laurentian elites, uh, they do look down their nose at Western Canada. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that in this part of the world still, if you are willing to work hard, you can still make a six-figure salary with your back and your hands. And we have a lot of overeducated, useless people mm-hmm. making rules for the rest of us in Laurentia yes. Yes. who don't like hard work can put us in their income range, in their um, socioeconomic power sphere. Right. Um, they don't like that. They don't think we belong in there. And I think a lot of that leads to their not caring if we fail. You know, when they say, oh, you shouldn't have spent all your money on quads and pickup trucks, not realizing we use our quads for farming and our pickup trucks for work. Exactly. um, Because they can take public transit everywhere. They do look down their nose as though we're like the Beverly Hillbillies who just suddenly struck it rich and we're just going to blow all of our money anyway. Like those people who live in a trailer park who win the lottery. That's how they look at us. Yeah. And uh, it's evident in government policy. It truly is. And I mean, that attitude, we all know that exists across the board with a lot of citizens. You take on a lot of comments. Wasn't it just yesterday, you know, you're in but F Alberta. And I said, well, Saskatchewan, you know, I mean, you you make a joke out of it because ultimately the redneck card doesn't actually insult me. I'm I'm quite proudly, you know, a rural Saskatchewan girl. I've got a cowboy hat. It's not a big deal. You know, it's just I'm proud of these roots that I have because I was raised with with the idea of hard work. Like you said, it's not about if you have a degree, great. If you um, have to go get a substantial amount of education for whatever your training is, a medical doctor, engineer, fantastic. Good for you. I respect it. But this whole, that attitude of, yeah, you don't have the letters behind your name or sort of just the the hard work and, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of people doing jobs that aren't glamorous that just don't get any appreciation. And like you said, they might make good money, but they're looked down on by the citizens. But what's what's really a killer is not when it's obviously other people are going to be snobs or snobs. There's always been snobs. It's never going to end. But when you're, like you said, when policy is being written by those people, when those people now become the leaders and they have authority over everybody and, and we do have a big government system set up here. We don't have enough autonomy in our individual regions. We have way too much blanket coming out of Ottawa. That just simply doesn't work for everybody. So yeah, it starts to get a little bit messy. Um, I don't see how this is all sustainable. Personally, I want Canada to work. Like you said, it is a relationship in many ways. Um, I just don't see how it's going to, just the way we're moving forward. And I don't see us suddenly going more conservative. The, the path we're on is very quick. Um, and I yeah. see a lot of Westerners uh, diving in and agreeing with it and wanting that for their communities, their families, right? Their, their, their jobs. Like you said, these pickup trucks aren't just to whatever, whatever image they have, I can only imagine. But if they want to come here and de- dig themselves out of the snow with whatever little, you know, eco-friendly vehicle they have, they can um, come on down, please feel free. But we need tractors here. We need, you know, yeah. when you feed the world with farmers, um, there's some things that, that changed, uh, that just people in the city don't understand. So I try to welcome it. Um, to, to bring people's awareness to the fact that something to offer, some wisdom that isn't so so stupid or backwards, you know? Now, you mentioned unsustainable, and what could be more unsustainable than these COVID restrictions, both on, on our um, relationships with other people, but also on our businesses? And you're in Saskatchewan, and Saskatchewan was handling this all pretty well, keeping we people pretty free. 
pretty free for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, took a more hands-off approach, which I think we're still sort of doing in Alberta. We've sort of left it on the totalitarians who mm-hmm. infest our municipal governments uh, these days to make the rules for themselves, which I guess is the best of a worst case scenario. Right. Um, but as of November 6th, I just pulled it up on my computer here in mm-hmm. Saskatchewan. Private indoor gatherings may have a maximum of 10 people in the home or in buildings located on the private property. For example, garages or sheds. They're going to kick out my garage party if I was in Saskatchewan. (laughs) The smokers in my family are going to be very upset to hear that because that's where they're relegated. Two meters physical distancing should also be observed when people from outside the extended household are present. Indoor public gatherings and indoor or and outdoor gatherings may have a maximum of 30 people where there is enough space to maintain two meters between individuals who are not in the same household or extended household. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And mm-hmm. you sort of experienced this firsthand because you were singing in church and you had to wear a mask while yes. singing in church because you couldn't be a gazillion miles away from the congregation. So I don't have my own pod, therefore, you know, had to wear a mask. So, yeah, it's, it's Sheila, it's it's good timing because this just happened Sunday. So this was as of November 6th, as you said. So everything was pretty standard and pretty stable until then. At the time, up until November 6th, how it worked was in congregations, if the, if the congregation sang, they had to put on a mask and then they could take it off when they were done singing just because of droplet spread and, and so on. It, it increases when you sing. Fine. We, you know, we handled that. Worship team was allowed to to carry forward, except the people in the back who were so close to, say, my back, so drummer, etc. Vocalists didn't have to wear masks, obviously, and the pastor didn't have to wear one either. Now, as of November 6th, the pastor is exempt, so he doesn't have to wear a mask, but all of the musicians and every person has to wear it throughout the whole service period, end of discussion, even if you are a vocalist. So... I was a little nervous because I find that it makes me quite dizzy after I can do it. I can belt it. I can still sing as normal, but I don't feel the same after as I would without it because you're diaphragmatically breathing. You're trying to dig deep down in there. You're not doing that when you speak normally. It's a different type of breathing. Vocalists are trained with breath and everything is about manipulation and control of the breath using your face. So when you have to cover your face, it makes it really tricky. Um, And I know it's a minor thing, but it's just it's not minor because it's actually doesn't fix anything. I'm not helping anybody not get COVID. I wasn't a risk to anybody. I'm 20 feet away from anyone. I could have been further. There was no need for it. And that's what's bothering me is the nonsensical measures that are being taken. It's not so much just that they exist. It's that they don't actually do anything. And yeah, these these measures with private gatherings, thankfully, at least for church, they've allowed the maximum to stay. So I think it was 150. That hasn't changed. But for all the other gatherings, um, they've gotten much more strict. I don't know what the enforcement's been like here um, yet, but it's fairly new. So I'm, I'm, I just don't even know. I just, I'm so down about honestly the direction that this is going, and I hate the way that it has changed society and how we treat each other. I hate going out to get groceries. I hate all of it because we're all just weird now, and I really don't yeah. like the dystopia that this has become at all. And I don't feel that it's necessary given. Where I just don't feel like it's relative to what we need to be doing, personally. Yeah, it, it has changed how we interact with each other. Yes. Like when you go into a grocery store, there are people who are maskers and not maskers. And if you are someone who either can't wear a mask or won't wear a mask, you are already emotionally prepared 
to deal with the people who are going to be angry at you because you don't have a mask on. Oh, if uh, looks could kill, hey? I mean, yeah. my goodness. Now in Prince Albert, it's there's three communities that have that mask law, by the way. It's not everywhere in Saskatchewan, I should yeah. clarify. So it's Prince Albert, Saskatoon, and Regina. Presumably yeah. just higher numbers, more cases. Um, so in my town, I don't have to, but here I do. Um, but yeah, it's it's so now everybody is. But before that, I would go in if I wasn't wearing one. And sometimes you wear one just so you don't deal with, I just don't want to deal with the stairs right now. Yeah. I am not in the mood. You know, you throw the stupid it's thing true. on and go in, right? Yeah, crazy. It's crazy. It's like they're, they're starting the shaming and the dehumanizing and the media is just pushing it. And it's it's really unfortunate because they've taken this issue and just ramped it into every possible worst way, worst case scenario for psych health and medical health and hospitals being shut down, businesses, the economy, they've just destroyed so much with this. And I, that's where I think the cure has definitely become worse than the disease itself. So, I mean, and it's so nonsensical. I can't have yeah, 10 it's all over the place. I can't have 10 people standing in my garage with the garage door open, but let's just crowd everybody into Walmart. Exactly. Because that was the only place that was open for the longest time. Yeah. Now, talking about churches, I just wanted to get your opinion on this because um, this is uh, something that I've been pretty seriously interested in, um, and we should have some news about it shortly. But um, Pastor Vernon Temple, who runs the... Uh, full gospel outreach center in Prince Albert. He was fined $14,000 because they didn't sing with masks on. And then they had a coronavirus outbreak that was allegedly linked back to their church, although there is some disputing that upon further digging. But it didn't just stop there because an evangelist with the church was also personally fined. I think it was $3,000. This one church that does work in Prince Albert's downtown core. So you know yeah. the kind of work that they're doing. Yeah. $18,000. And as best as I can tell, there's been, there were no prior attempts to work with the church before they find them. And I've spoken to Pastor Vernon. He works with, um, it, people who live on the streets. How can you expect them to wear masks? They're, they live on the street. They're coming in to warm up. But this is the kind of heavy-handed stuff that's happening mm -hmm. at the municipal level. And for me, I hope this coronavirus, if one good thing comes from it, it's a wake-up call for conservatives who have basically mm -hmm. sort of ignored what goes on at the municipal level. Yeah. To get involved again, because yes. these are the ones who are taking our freedom away. It's not Jason Kenney. It's not Scott Moe. Yes. It's the municipal politicians. Yes, very true. And people often just, when you get interested in bigger politics, you start looking yeah. at national politics, U.S., you know, crazy shows going on down there. People forget about the importance of civil politics. And 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 we really need to be getting involved, whether it's running or whether it's just supporting and learning and, and getting in there, getting into meetings. Like these are the things that most directly affect our day-to-day our -day 
life. And like you said, um, when it comes to the draconian stuff, as much as we dislike Trudeau, a lot of this stuff has come down from both uh, provincial and more regional municipal governments. So it's it's not just Trudeau, right? There's a lot of people that are enjoying the power trip of this, and we need to be cautious of that and be standing against that wherever we can. Um, yeah, I'd heard about this story in PA. There's been nothing that I've seen really reported on it since. I think you're one of the few people probably working on any updates on it. So you hear the initial accusation. You hear that they did all these terrible things things, something about food, dishing out food, or they broke all these rules, supposedly, um, and then the fine, and then you don't hear really anything else. So you're left with this sort of story of this big bad church that did all these terrible things. What I thought of when I first heard of it, because of the location, was uh, the rebel story in Calgary. It was a while back when this all started. I can't remember his name. Arthur, does that sound correct? Arthur. Um, yeah. Yes. So he had, of course, been helping the, the poorest of the poor, uh, often those with mental illness, addictions, and, you know, getting fined. And I feel like that's sort of maybe similar here without knowing all the details, you know more than me. Um, but it's it's disappointing because we have a lot of poverty in PA. There's a lot of crime. There's a lot of, of people that need some help. And I've seen some of the ministry that goes on downtown, uh, whether it's just street ministry, people setting up tents in the summer, whether it's the churches, they do a lot for people. Um, that's not even just Christian related. They're just, they open yeah. their doors. And um, it's disappointing to see this. They do a lot for First Nations people they do a lot for all of the groups that usually the government is is pandering to and they're still getting nailed for this and i just think the amounts of money are atrocious that much money for any church is hard to come up with let alone probably an you know underfunded under donated to small struggling church these people aren't these preachers down in the states this isn't joel olstein and whoever yeah. else making you know millions of dollars with their private jets we're talking about good people that make very little cash that are trying to help those least fortunate whether you like Christians or not is not the point this is you know just and what astounds me Sheila is how quickly people will judge now and say oh good I'm so glad that you know they're so happy that people are getting punished they don't even want to yeah. hear the other side that's the weird part they're just excited about it um, and then all the other churches are now cowering because they're scared to be called out because now everybody's watching the churches and it's just it's a mess um yeah I'm, I'm not feeling good about the direction this is going at all and I wouldn't be surprised if they close our doors down again to be honest just in yeah. general, churches in general. Yeah, I think as the case counts continue to go up, as case mm -hmm. counts for anything do, when the when weather gets cold. And the weather well, gets cold. Well, and when the and, yeah. weather gets cold yeah. and people come inside, and so you've yeah. got a bunch of people in confined spaces together, naturally, yes. the bugs go around. That's why the flu season is when flu season yes. is. And, and kids, once they go back to school, always have a runny nose. I mean, it's just, it's accepted <laughs> Yeah. uh knowledge that seems people don't seem to be applying to the coronavirus outbreak so yeah i no. think i think we are going to see oh no case counts are exploding they love that word exploding i know they um, pick the and, scariest words and sometimes yeah. that means two or three um you know the outbreak you know in capital letters it just it's so yeah. They, they just, the fear, the fear. And I'm not saying don't have a healthy respect for viruses. Uh, at the beginning of this, I made a video saying I take it seriously. I have, I'm someone who's dealt with health issues from a yeah. virus when I was in high school. I still deal with them now. I understand um, the, the devastation, not just deaths that can come from long-term viral effects. But that being said, we're not doing this for any other diseases. There's a lot of things out there that can take you down. And we just do not do this because you recognize that your immune system needs some element of exposure to, to germs. We're all hand sanitizing now. No one's around each other. I just think this is bad news bears on a lot of fronts. So 
Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't like the mandatory nature of it all. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not I'm not necessarily a libertarian. I'm a conservative. So I mm-hmm. think there's like a, a role for the social order and stuff like that. Right. However, if people know, if you give them all the information and you tell them, OK, this is what we recommend that you do. Great. Back off. Yeah. They'll make people can make their choices like they do with everything else in society, with everything else and so many other things that are dangerous, too. But we have yeah. full control over that, but then zero over this. Um, yeah, people are getting a little authoritarian and not just the government officials, but citizens just turning on each other. It's it's weird. People enjoy snarking and ratting people out. It's just bizarre. I, I don't love what it's doing to our psychology. It's bringing out some very interesting personality traits. I'll leave it there. Yeah, there's a lot of Lord of the Flies things <laughs> happening out there right now. Um, I, I wanted to uh, ask you, because I know we're already running over time, but I, I could probably talk to you all day. Um, it happens. <laughs> yes. Uh, the American election, we should talk mm-hmm. about it because that's, I mean, it's sucking up all the oxygen in news media yeah. these days. And wow. we're, record- <laughs> we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon. This will go to air Wednesday evening. So things could change between now and then. But so far, we, I guess Joe Biden is the presumed president-elect, mm-hmm. although it, I think it's pretty clear that there's been a lot of electoral fraud. Yes. Uh, so without, I guess, getting involved in who's who's going to be what, when, um, what does a potential Biden presidency mean for Saskatchewan? Well, I'm concerned for the states in general, I mean, just for them and the direction that they're going to head. To me, they're going to just start becoming more Canadian in many ways. And while I love many things about this country and the states isn't perfect, I don't ever want to see them lose their liberty. I don't want to see them messing around with their constitution. I don't want to see them taking the things that made them, you know, we talk about how something is founded. The intention of the states when they were founded is based on freedom and liberty. And to start messing with that and changing the very path that you took when you started is very dangerous. So I'm concerned for them primarily. But for Saskatchewan, yeah, it's going to affect Saskatchewan. It's going to affect Alberta. It's going to affect anybody in the oil and gas industry because we had a little bit of hope, it sounded like, coming forth with uh, Trump there uh, before the election with, you know, potentially new pipelines and, and some projects that would help our oil and gas industry. But we are obviously up against a lot of legislation uh, nationally for, for dealing with anything for, for oil and gas production. And now we don't even have that little glimmer of hope, you know, if, if in fact Biden and it all comes out and he's, he's the winner. Um, cause even with the fraud, I know like Tucker Carlson was saying this morning or whenever he last had a, an episode, you know, admittedly he might still very well win, even if with all of these fraudulent ballots, even if it all comes to light, it could still be a Biden win, but at least it would be done. You know, you'd know it was done fairly, but it, it does concern me, uh, oil and gas industry being the first big one, Green New Deal, um, and anything that happens down there, it affects us. So whether it's cost of items, you know, it doesn't really matter whether it's the economy. I'm worried that um, I, our leaders will get along. I think that Trudeau and Biden <laughs> will get along just fine. And ultimately, yeah. it's going to be Harris. Let's admit it. Harris is going to be in there so fast, and they're going to push him yeah. out as soon as possible. Um, yeah, it's going to be great. And, you know, and there's going to be this great narrative about great progressive Canada the states with their their first um, person of color woman, you know, that that's really what they mm-hmm. want is that identity politics. And it, it's going to be it's going to look real nice on the outside. Um, 
really concerns me though as to what direction it just feels like everything's going to ramp up when it comes to the general direction we're taking um towards more of a socialist sort of view of things and more government control um mostly oil and gas though i have a lot of family in uh, the oil and gas industry and region and i hate seeing what's happened to my home community it's just been torn apart and it's not because there's no demand for oil and gas worldwide there is um but if you'd listen to our politicians and media you'd think that there's none um so it really the the limitations are being placed on us forced on us by government so i'm just concerned that's going to get worse I'm also very concerned about the implications for free speech. Mm. Um, uh, Justin Trudeau would love to crack down on free speech here in Canada. And one of the things that sort of acted as a protector was that many of these companies, these social media oligarchs, they're located in the United States. And so Donald Trump being a very pro-free speech president, you know, at least there was that sort of buffer zone. Um, But now with Biden and Trudeau, Internet regulation is coming very fast, I think, at all of us. I would agree with that. That's the one part of the Constitution. There's so many things that they have. They don't even, so many people down there don't realize how blessed they are and why those things were placed into the Constitution, like free speech, for example. You know, their amendments, you know, their their gun rights as well. These are things that need to be cherished, but instead people want to abolish them. And free speech being that that pivotal thing I never used to care about until I, I got into Jordan Peterson and started looking into, you know, the implications when societies can't speak anymore you know where does that go and it's terrifying and i wish more people were aware of it and would care about it again normies they don't even think about how blessed they are to be able to speak and what it would look like if they can't although i'd argue canadians are are socially censoring a lot we already feel like we can't speak even if we legally still can so yeah i think things will get worse um as far as internet uh, all kinds of censorship as well as uh the support for the un that's something that trump also did was he he put up a bit of a wall when it came to global Globalism and saying, no, we don't want a lot of the things the UN is pushing. And I don't think Biden's going to be that guy either. So they're yeah. going to be in a similar boat to us if they're not careful. You know, careful what you wish for, because you just might get it. Uh, Kelly, I want to give you, uh, I want to thank you, first of all, for being so generous with your time, but I want to give you a chance to let everybody find the work that you do um, because you are a YouTuber and you do a lot of social commentary. Um, mm-hmm. So why don't you let everybody know? Sure. Well, I've been on a bit of a hiatus, just taking care of some personal stuff, dealing with some health issues. So I haven't been making much content, but please feel free to peruse what I've done. Uh, A lot of it's still relevant today. Things just kind of keep happening. So I can be found on YouTube uh, under Kelly Lamb, which is my my married name. I believe if you type in Kelly Day, you're still going to find a whole bunch of stuff. It's still tagged there. Uh, So you can check me out there. I am going to be getting back into more regular content. A lot of it's going to be focusing on politics, but also postmodernism and uh, the new age and infiltration into the church and into um, society. So that's something that's a big uh, passion of mine. So that'll be a big part of what I do. And also I'm on Twitter. I, I like to go in there and duke it out once in a while and make the odd posts. So you can certainly find me there. That's at Kelly R. Day. 19 is my handle. So those are the two main places. Um, My email is available. You can always reach out, DM me, whatever you'd like. uh, And I'm always happy to have good conversations. So, Oh, Kelly, uh, it was a real pleasure to have you on the show today. It's been far too long. We'll have you back on again very, very soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sheila. Have yourself a wonderful day. You too. Remembrance Day today, and I'm very sad to see the freedoms so many have died for being eroded by a disease that has a 0.7% mortality rate, at least in Saskatchewan. 
We say lest we forget, but I worry that too many people already have. Well, everyone, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in. I'll see everybody back here at the same time in the same place next week. And remember, don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think.